Hello everybody and welcome to the Cinema Catch-Up Club, the podcast for films that you probably should have seen by now. I'm your host Dr. Stephen Platt, thank you very much for downloading this week's episode. And this week, it's an in-memoriam episode. Uh, You may remember back in October, we lost the great, and now sadly late, Dame Angela Lansbury. Uh, look, she made it to 97. It's it's hardly a tragedy. It's it's amazing we had her for so long. Uh, but we thought, oh, let's let's um, mark the occasion uh, in the best way that we can by watching one of her fabulous works. We're going back to 1971 to watch Bedknobs and Broomsticks. Joining me as always, we have someone who has seen the film before and someone who has not. Our guest who has not seen the film, it's Dr. Ellen Sears. Hi, Stephen. How are you, Dr. Ellen? I'm very tired because I just had my dance concert weekend and I'm getting too old for that kind of nonsense, but I'm all right. Excellent. <laughs> it's very tired. Uh, bed knobs and broomsticks. Yeah. What, what do you know about this film? Angela Lansbury's in it. I know that it is one of the Disney's that is a mix of animation and live action, which was very popular around this time period. I know a couple of the songs because um, I had all of the Disney classics CDs transferred onto tapes that my aunt did for me. Mm. And they were amongst those kind of things. Um, I think I've seen bits and pieces of it from like advertising material and Disney VHSs from when I was a kid, mm. but I haven't seen the whole thing all the way through. Okay. So, yeah. And Angela Lansbury. Yeah. Where, where, where does she sit in sort of your, I don't know, Rolodex of, of performers? <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, I hadn't, I haven't really thought about it, to be honest. Um, she did a lot of great stuff. I haven't seen all of her things. She had a huge career, mm. but stuff that I did see her in, she was great. So, you know, she was kind of the voice of a generation, really, wasn't she? Mm. For a lot of kids, sort of, I guess, our age. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I think particularly for Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. Mm. Um, which, Potts, yeah. It's like big bickies. It's, mm-hmm. You know, it, it's, a, it's quite something. And when... a lot of the other stuff, like a lot of the musical theatre stuff that mm. she did as well was just very iconic, very cool. It is quite something when your career-defining role can be defined as a singing teapot. A singing teapot, yeah. But, I mean... I'd love to be remembered for being a singing teapot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It'd be great. But, I, I, mean, I mean, Mrs. Potts was such a well-realised character. Incredible. As indeed so good. All, all the characters, I think, in Beauty and the Beast were. That um, film's just fantastic. But, yeah, she, she I, th- I think, obviously, she's, you know, she was just one of those people that it, it she's a little bit like Betty White in that regard. Yeah. I think where when similarly to when Betty White passed, everyone kinda of went, Oh like, no, we we like that old lady. Not you. <laughs> yeah. We wanted to keep you forever. Yeah. Um on our shelf as a teapot. Yeah, as a teapot. <laughs> but that's the thing, people will because they've got yeah. they've got like teapots that they mm. made to look like Mrs. Potts. Indeed. Which is lovely. Well, uh, luckily for you, we do have Ooh. somebody here who has seen the film. Uh, and sitting in the has seen the film chair for the first time, it's quite a big deal. Yay! It's Kato Sullivan! <laughs> I did it! I've seen a movie! Yay! <laughs> yes, uh, welcome, Kate. Uh, long-time <laughs> listeners of the program will know uh, famously... Uh, you you have been on quite the streak of just not having seen Modern a lot of films, something, something like that, something yeah. Dumb, yeah. Uh, but now you are. When did yes. you get to pick a film? Oh, it's it's still a few, oh. still a few away, still a few away. But um, close though. But yeah. yes, you 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 have seen Bedknobs yes. and Broomsticks. So, in a vague, non-spoilery sort of way, uh, what can you tell us about this film? Uh, well, this film, to me, like this, is my childhood in a nutshell. This is like my grandmother's couch on summer holidays in Albany yep. with my grandmother. So, like, I've seen this film. A bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't seen it super recently, but it's, I mean, it's that classic time period of like 1940s Britain, but oh, with that, yeah. with that Mary, if like, you know, it, 
might have been created when they benched Mary Poppins and decided to do this instead. And then <laughs> Mary Poppins got released first anyway. So it's got that same vibe, yeah, I would okay. say. Um, Angela Lansbury is in it. You are correct in saying she that. Is. It does have that blend of that animated and the, um, the yeah. live action yeah. in a very different way to the way that modern audiences are familiar with animated mixed. It's very clearly that those two separate oh, things yeah yeah, yeah. Mm. like your pete's dragon type and like some those, of those those other ones that were like the dropping yeah. through the chalk drawing in mary poppins is the, mm. the sort of vibe that you'll get and yeah, beauty. it's magical mm. quite literally magic she's a witch isn't she is she a witch? Uh, sort of something like vague, that. non-spoilery sort of way sure <laughs> yeah. we'll, we'll just say well, that i won't i won't spoil that that's not fair mm. up front okay, okay. and okay. angela lansbury herself I'm assuming you're a big fan. Yes. I mean, I have played Mrs. Lovett on stage. She is my Mrs. Lovett. Murder, she wrote, was like part of my childhood, like television shows to watch. She was like, she's been maimed. She's been in yeah, everything. Um, oh. Like she's in Anastasia. Like it's, yeah. you know, it's just one of those people who just mm. is a voice in my head. Mm. Um, and I just did a show to raise some money for some kids who were going abroad for something. And we were going to close with Taylor's oldest time. And then we decided we couldn't do it. So we did it as a big audience sing along. And she said, like, no one joined in until after she'd sung the first verse because we oh. couldn't do it any other way. That's oh. the kind of, like, we were like, no, no. <laughs> and then she said goodnight to everybody because at the end of it, she says, you know, oh. off to bed. Off to yeah. bed. Yeah. yeah. So she, like... It is a Betty White for me. It, mm. There's other people who will have the same effect, but like, yeah, oof to the feels yeah. the day that she passed away. It was not. Yeah, I mean, for, I mean, I I'm a fan of her, but um, I, I don't have that same connection. Yeah. I think for me, um, it, it it's gonna be where Mel Brooks goes. Yeah, fair. In terms of like similar age level, uh, maybe less emotional impact, <laughs> uh, but but more um, just. Like, yeah, I really love what that guy did. And yeah, I'm I'm dreading that day. So Mel, tr- just hold on for another hundred years, please. Just, just yeah. Just... If anybody could, it would be him. He'd just be like, I'm just, I'm just not going to go. Yeah. I'm just going to stay be, here. Be the real thousand year old man, please. Yeah. That would be <laughs> fantastic. Um, you've, set, you've set your target. <laughs> yes. Uh, so with all that being said, Shall we watch Bedknobs and Broomsticks? Yeah. Sure. Okay, yeah. for those of you listening at home, pop in those DVDs, load up those streaming services, and prepare to get those spoonfuls of sugar. Wait, no, no that's not one. this one. Wrong one, yeah. wrong one. Uh, prepare for a tale as old as time. No, no, other one. No, other no. one. Other oh, everyone on the bed who's going. <laughs> as we watch Bedknobs and Broomsticks. Welcome back, everybody. We have just finished watching Bedknobs and Broomsticks in honour of the late, great Dame Angela Lansbury. And I'm joined once again by my special guests, Kate O'Sullivan. Hello. Feels so weird going to you first. I know, it's because I'm normally in that other chair. Yeah. And our guest who hadn't seen it, Dr. Ellen Sears. Hello. Ellen, that was your first time watching Bedknobs and Broomsticks. Mm -hmm. What did you think? Um, That was a lot of fun. Very typical of this type of film from Disney from this type of era. It was pretty much exactly what it said on the tin. So, Mm. yeah, it was fun. It made me very nostalgic for watching The Wonderful World of Disney on whatever channel it was on when I was a kid. They used to play Disney films every weekend. Mm. Different ones all the time. That's why we taped The Song of the South off Mm. the TV. (laughs) That's a whole other story, that one. Yes, yes. A Um, film we won't be reviewing anytime soon, I'm sure. Oh, boy. (laughs) Yeah. 
Yes. Yeah, no. um, look, eventually Thomas we'll run out. Cena. Eventually we'll run out of films, and we'll we'll have and to. And we'll do go it. through the back catalogue of all of <laughs> yeah. Disney's really problematic stuff. Yeah, oh. but but for now we can focus on the on the much less problematic, yeah. though still occasionally problematic. <laughs> bed knobs and broomsticks. It's a film from the 70s. I was going to say it's a yeah. film from the 70s. It's a, it's a Disney film from the 70s. It's mm. oh, we're going to try and do the it's a small world thing and have like all the like racial diversity, but without actually doing the thing but other or than, knowing how to do the thing or knowing how to do the yeah. thing it's like and just occasionally okay. going like uh, that looks like somebody in in brown face uh, just occasionally <laughs> yeah quite typical of where it's like this type of a film isn't it yeah but, where it's like and I, yeah again i love i was watching the end i was like i've seen this before not that i've seen this film before i've seen this ending before in other films from this era i'm like mm. hmm, i wonder why in the 70s disney was pushing a pro pro-war agenda to the public in America. I wonder why they were doing that. Mm. Because, Mm. yeah, a couple of other films from this era done by Disney that are live action in a very similar vein have basically the same ending. Like, oh yes, the man and the woman are together now at the end. Happy days and he's going to go off to the war now and fight. Huzzah! It's... Mm. It's the war. Off we go. And I was like, oh boy. Okay. Okay, when did you last watch this film? Um... I know I watched part of it, so the first half of it, when I was in Canberra. So that would be 2015 to 2017. Mm. But I also know that I didn't watch the whole thing mm. because I remember having to leave because my ride was leaving right. as opposed to choose, like, choosing, choosing not to watch to the end of it. Yeah. Um, but because I'd seen it a lot as a kid, like it's not like I didn't know. Mm. I think we got up to partway through the Nabumbu stuff. Yeah. And I was like, look, I, I know what happens in the end. It's fine. Like, I don't mind leaving if we need to leave. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah. How was it revisiting? I mean, it's a nostalgia trip for me. Mm. Um, it's sitting there being like, I mean, you guys copped it when I was like, occasionally start singing along and be like, no, don't, stop. Stop singing along. I'm going to say you were very restrained. I was restrained, but it was there. It was definitely mouthing along the words the yeah. whole time. And I'd have been more than happy for you to perform the whole thing, to get up and do the moves if you really <laughs> just, wanted. Just replace David Tomlinson. This yeah. was um, me. This was That was me when we watched Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Because yeah. I said to Stephen, we're getting a divorce if you don't let me review this one. He said, we're not married. Because you weren't at that point. I said, I will marry you and then just divorce yeah, you. Like, this if you don't let me do this yeah. one. And he goes, I used to be able to quote that entire film from beginning to end with the subtitles. So I feel yeah. you on this. And when I watched it, I was just sat there like... But yeah, and I think it's it's one of those films for me where I'm like, I watching it now, I remember why I loved it so much. And mm. it is because it's a child's film. It is a film that has that magic and that like, which you didn't see in a lot of films mm. for kids. It wasn't a grown up film with kids stuff in it, which is kind of what this is. It, yeah. Everything was like for children or yeah. for grown ups. All of the adult characters are very much how children view them in terms of their... Yeah. The vicar is the vicar in the vicar role, and the Nazis are the Nazis. The Nazis. You know, they're they're you know, they're, but they're, they're the bad guys. They're the bad guys. <laughs> capital but, B, capital G. But that's it. It's not as though they're there going like, ah, yes, the strategical advantage of taking the south coast of England. It's just we're bad and we're telling you to shush and we're in your house making war plans, but none of them are very specific. It's all from a child's and view. And we don't subtitle any of it, so we don't actually have to worry about exactly what's being said. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Like Davy Duck cartoons, great. Yeah, it, it, it's... And then occasionally we quite... do subtitle, just exclusively be like, what? She's a witch! No, she's not! <laughs> like... You said she was a witch earlier. Yeah, yeah. it's it, it, it is really... It is fun. It's very childlike. I've never actually watched this film from memory, right. from start to finish. Um, I definitely have memories of seeing the underwater sequence as a child. Yeah. Uh, but I, I... I'm wondering if it was maybe also, like, mm. my experience, which was seeing parts of that segment... Mm 
in on like a deep or like a VHS yeah. type. Like because I remember is a very commonly seen like that yeah. entire yeah. section. People are like, oh, I've seen especially the briny C, the beautiful briny sea yes. montage, mm. the soccer game less so, mm. but. Certainly there are elements of that mm. in like the trailers yeah. and things like that. For this I, film. I, I definitely know that I saw Mary Poppins. I yes. know that much. I know that I saw Song of the South, similarly, VHS copy uh, taped off the TV. Taped off the TV, yeah. Um, I, I know that I saw um, quite a few from that period. I, I know that I didn't see Pete's Dragon. That's mm-hmm. kind of the one that I haven't seen. Oh, yeah, watching this, we the, there are bits of it where it's like, <laughs> oh no, I, I do remember being quite little and seeing this and thinking it was great. Um, there's elements that I was like, it's familiar, but yeah. Yeah, but, but I, I don't think I've, or at least I don't remember ever sitting down and yeah. watching this the whole way through. And it's fun. It's really fun. The story is, um, it's the war. Which one? Why the Second World War, of course. Of course. Um, Battle of Britain. Yes, 1940. Uh, the, the Blitz is happening. And so all these kids have got to get out of London. They've all got to go to country. And they all talk like this. <laughs> oh my God. Except for the girls. The no. girls don't talk like that, but the boys all talk exactly like that. Yeah, mm. the boys all talk like they're in their 40s, which yeah. I just <laughs> think is tremendously oh, geezer. funny. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's really fun. Especially um, the six-year-old. Like, yeah. yeah. I can never remember his name because it's Charlie and Carrie and Paul. The, Paul. Paul. Yeah. Whose name I never remember. Yeah. Like, not even when I was little did no, I remember you, his you name. You just remember him as the, what's this got to do, do with my knob, kid? Which <laughs> <laughs> is such a wonderful line to hear a six-year-old say. So. Um, the one who has to do all the work of like, I have to pronounce all of these weird places and tap the bed knob very intently. Yeah, he was great. Um, And yell every single one of my lines. But yeah, these kids, they get sent to rural England, uh, and we see that they're they're the last three kids, they're the kids nobody wants to take. Luckily, uh, Miss Price uh, stumbles into the village on her motorbike with green smoke, which (laughs) I've just realised now, they never actually explain why it has green smoke. They do mention that it smells like sulphur. Of course there's sulphur in it because of it being the war, Mm. but like that's about the extent. You can't run a motorbike on the salt though. Like, yeah. It was a lovely image. It was a great introduction to that character. Um, I just love more that she goes to get a very clearly broom-shaped <laughs> package from the post Which was office. very bendy in the first and It looked like it was just the package with nothing actually in it. Yeah. Mm. It was very yeah. bendy. And yeah, she is uh, foisted uh, upon her. There are these three children. And so she takes them back to her lovely big cottage and she puts them up and she's like right well you know we're gonna be living here and then the kids discover that night she's a witch and they're like we're gonna extort her yeah which... <laughs> no, no, no. charlie's like we're charlie's gonna extort, like, we're gonna extort her. this witch <laughs> you give us something in return bit of lolly oh my God. <laughs> i was like charlie you scumbag this is fantastic this is but that's he's just... a swindler he's a swindler he's guy. the one who goes on the emotional journey of like they, he is the exact counterpoint to Eglantine in that, mm. like, it's he has to be like, oh, maybe she is a bit alright, maybe it's fine, and they, she has to be like, oh, the kids aren't so bad after all. Yeah, um, and so yeah, they... I feel like that would be hammered a lot more now. Yeah, mm. like if this was done now, we'd be a lot more about that. It'd be like, you're not our real mum, blah, blah, blah. It'd be that kind of stuff. And it's like, well, I don't want to be your mother anyway. And, and then by the end of it, and that'd be the end of it. They're all like, oh, hug. They're well, all like, but but you could be our dad. 
yeah. yeah. weird magic guy. <laughs> who turned up, who we know is a sham artist. Yeah. <laughs> I just love how he just goes along with everything. He's like, oh, magical bed that takes us places. Oh, great. He just rolls with it. I mean, yeah. he was a magician and he was the one doing magic things and then he got turned into a rabbit. So to be fair, at He's that probably point, just like, like, okay. Okay. Yeah. He did, I guess this is real. He, Mr., uh, Professor Brown or Mr. Brown. Was, Emilius Brown. Was very adaptable. Mm. Um, and we meet Brown in London because Miss Price is an apprentice witch. She's been learning how to be a witch from a... <laughs> Correspondence, correspondence course, which is lovely, um, and yeah, but but the school has has closed surprisingly because of the war. Before she can get her final spell, because of the war in inverted commas. Yeah, um, and so yeah, her and the kids travel to London, uh, and I almost skipped over this, uh, which I've just realised is the point of the film. Is, is how they travel to London, which is on the bed, on a magic bed. bed. Yeah, because they she she manages Very Enid Blyton. to Love enchant. It. Yeah, she manages to enchant a bed knob. Which only Paul can control because it's, it's his. Because he stole it from her. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's it's Harry Potter wand rules is what we're learning oh. from this. And so yeah, he taps the bed knob three times, twists Turns it a quarter, quarter turn to, to the, the left. left. Which which one's the left? This one. Yeah. <laughs> Wonderful detail. And then um and then yeah they they take a magic bed to wherever they need to go, and I loved the visuals of it. Yeah. I really loved it. Uh, it was very seventies, but it's still works like it, it it's not a question of it holding up because the, the effects are very good yeah for that time yeah Holy now, crap. a lot of the effects do hold up i will say yeah. that but it's specific, the, the, specifically the, 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 the bad s- sequence though yeah. it's not something that i think can hold up because you wouldn't shoot no. a tra- teleporting bed no. like that anymore no but um, when they land and they kind of wobble yeah like, i love that that was great it, it to me is the same as the there's no knowing where we're going sequence yeah. in um Willy Willy chocolate factory because yeah. It's that it's that feel yes. and that energy that you want out of capital M magic. Yes. yes. At the time. And can yeah. you imagine seeing that on a big screen in a cinema? Mm. In yeah. 1971. In well. 1971, that would have been like insane well, for first, a little kid. First screened imagine? at Radio City Music Hall, so it's like, oh, like, wow. can you imagine? Yeah. 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 Wow. <laughs> and, and a lot of the effects... as a little kid, that would have just been like, would have just like blown your mind, yeah. wouldn't it? And a lot of the effects they do with. Um, Angela Lansbury flying around on a broom with yeah. David Tomlinson Wise being picked up by a bear and thrown oh around. God. It looked great. Like, it did look really good. They, they, they really, obviously, I mean, surprise, surprise, Disney's animators work really hard to make that bit look good. Yeah. Special effects team work really hard to make all of the moving objects look good. And you know what? Like, that sequence, um, the bottom of the briny you see, where they were yeah. dancing together, the two mm. of them and all the wire work that they were doing, really impressive. Like, mm. honestly, more impressive than some of the wire work that they were doing in Mary Poppins. Like, yep. Mary, and Mary Poppins is beautiful. Like, don't get me wrong, and there's some beautiful stuff in there. But the choreography with the wire work in this one is very impressive. Mm. And I was like, oh, damn. It does feel as though, having been able to complete Mary Poppins, yeah. they were like, okay, how can we push this? Yeah. How can we what make can this we do that's more? Yeah. Um, especially, like, right down to, as you say, David Tomlinson getting picked up by the bear and threatened to be chucked back into the ocean and you get that pull of fabric yeah mm. it's, it's really great and it, it's interesting to think that this film is 18 sorry 17 years before who framed roger rabbit yes. yeah and when you think about like that interaction between the cartoon and the physical yeah. um it's it's impressive because obviously aside from things like pete's dragon yeah. There wasn't a lot more no. of the and Pete's live Dragon, action cartoon crossover. And that's the thing. With Pete's Dragon, it's entirely live action. The only thing that is cartoon is the dragon. Mm. Yes. And they do a lot of it. A lot of the time, the dragon is invisible. Yeah. yeah. So. There's it, a lot less work. There's a lot less work involved yeah. Yeah. in that one. Yeah. And it's, it's just really interesting to think that, yeah, the next sort of big critical success that I can think of 
which is live action and animation crossed over, is Who Framed Roger yeah, Rabbit. Which is incredible. And is, you know, an entirely different studio, <laughs> entirely yeah. different creative team behind it. Mm. Um, but is a film which really pushed, I think, what Mary what Poppins, and it, yeah. to a larger extent, I'd say, this film mm. built. Because mm. we, it feels like we spend a lot more time in the animated world with our real world characters than we do in Mary Poppins. Oh, we 100% do. Yeah. Um, I mean, to be fair, that is because... The version that we watched, the, the one that is on Disney Plus, is the one with whatever it is. All the like, extra stuff. With all the extra, it, yeah. with the extra twenty something minutes of yeah. footage put back in. Mm-hmm. So you know, to be fair, on the original film, we got that less in the ninety minute version. But mm-hmm. you know, it is that thing where you go, if if you've nailed the wire work and you can, especially mm-hmm. when you're then going to use a lot of that. Um, skill in the armor fight at the end yeah you may as well take advantage of it yeah and really show it off and, and the armor mm. fight was a great oh it's so, so it's so, so good yeah um that was the one bit that i hadn't watched more recently mm. and i was like oh yes and um, yeah we were watching it, it on a, really on, good and we were watching it on a reasonably big screen yeah um yeah. and so you know we could see little details yeah and there were not really much... There, was, there wasn't much in the way of mistakes. Like, there wasn't much in the way of, oh, that looks janky, that looks bad. No. It's it's pretty crisp, and it's pretty spectacular. Um, I, I will say, um, I didn't find the music as captivating as Mary Poppins. And I don't know if that's just because I grew Same up guys. on Mary Poppins. I know it's the Shermans. Mm. I, I enjoyed the music, but for me, as a, as a first-time viewer of it, I, I, I was like... I was doing a bit of comparing it to Mary Poppins, which is perhaps unfair, but at the same time, really hard not to do when so many things cross yeah. over. Um, I, I liked the music, but I, it felt like it lacked a certain... I'll be honest, it lacked Julie Andrews. Well, what, what I was going to say is I, th- I think um, mm. a lot of the music in Mary Poppins makes sense because you have a character like Bert who yes. naturally... He's singing songs that. and that's kind of yeah whereas this vibe. is like we're setting this up to be a musical yeah, number it's you a can bit 100% more feel the like mm. none of these characters would logically be singing and our substitute for the Bert character which is you know uh professor brown isn't a little bobbing along singing along type character and you yeah. don't have yeah. dick van dyke or julie andrews that's with really their beautiful point. lyrical yeah. song style i mean which is not what you need in this film but no. you no. don't have that and the thing is is like Angela Lansbury, who is the reason we're watching this film, mm. is spectacular. And like when she was singing the the, the song with the Latin title, uh, which is not in my head, Substitutionary locomotion. Yes, or, that. Yeah. Um, or Draguna McCoy's Dracorum Zetasi, which is the same. Yes. It's the same song. Yeah. Um, I I was like, oh, I wish they'd given her more singing in this film. A, a mm. little bit of me was David like, David Tomlinson has a lot, and it's sad because I sometimes you're like, oh. Why Angela, please? Yeah, I mean, I, I like David Tomlinson. Not not the strongest singer in no. the world, but also as someone who, if this was a play, would absolutely one hundred percent be cast in the mm, yeah. in that in the you know Professor what this Brown is? role. This isn't a musical; it's a play with songs. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, that's yeah. what it is. Whereas Mary Poppins, the stage version has more songs in it, and yeah. you can yeah. feel where they naturally fit. And like, I, I really empathise with David Tomlinson's performance because it it is work; it does work, and it's really fun. But it felt like oh, I just wish there was a bit more of, of Angela Lansbury singing. Mm. Um, but but then again, the type of character that she's playing is not one that is prone to outbursts of song. Yeah, sort yeah she's of in very serious. Way. Yeah, she's and, a very serious and character. It, it's interesting as well because the the original first choice mm. for the role was, was Julie Andrews. Andrews. Mm. That's who they wanted, and she turned them down. Well, and then later, well, yeah. Uh, yeah. She, she said, "I'm not sure." She Wait, said, "I'm not and sure." And then they cast someone else. And... Yeah. 
Mm. She essentially said no, then changed her mind. But by that time, they'd already signed up Lansbury. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of glad that they did because I feel as though if this is how the character was always going to be... Mm. I don't actually think Julie Andrews is as good a fit. And I almost feel like you'd you'd miss the songs more. Because you'd be like, why is yeah. Julie Andrews not doing the Julie Andrews thing? I also think the thing to remember is that Julie Andrews is 10 years younger than Angela Lansbury. Yeah, for sure. And that would have... You would have had a Mary Poppins style youth mm. to it. Yeah. You kind of almost don't want... The, her jadedness from age is part mm. of the beauty of yeah. Eglantine as a character. Especially as the woman who lives alone in the big house... Yeah, that my father used to live in. It this was his mm. bedroom, yeah. and I, there's all this kind of stuff peppered in where it's like, oh, yeah, yeah. there's uh, a tragic backstory here. Yeah, and it's interesting because Angela Lansbury is f- was in her mid forties yeah, when this is yeah, made. Yeah, she's in her forties. So you know, she she isn't a young ingenue, no. but you know, she's she's certainly not old. No, but, but ne- she's an adult. But a it was in- adult. Yeah. yeah, but it was interesting how David Tomlinson's character, uh, Professor Brown sort of spoke to her like she was a younger woman in a lot of respects. And I don't know if that's just like incidental sexism in the script or if that's like a specific choice because the role was originally intended for someone a bit younger than Lansbury. Yeah, I don't know. I think Tomlinson, I mean, he struggles with, because like, I think that when you start talking about the comparison, he is Mr. Banks. So yes. you, you, I don't know that you're ever not going to get that gruffness that you get from... Banks mm. out of a character, like you, you get a lot of, of the same. I'm a British man. Yeah, yeah, and that I think is part of the problem is that you don't have a Mr. Banks and a Bert. Mm. So having this sort of one character, this character in one who has to be a professor, so has to be a bit older and treat everyone like a student, but also mm. isn't actually that much older than your leading lady because you need them to get together at the end. Like, and it can't be weird. It starts being this real struggle of you mm. want two things out of one character and you don't get them. Both. And as I, as I say, not in a negative way towards what Tom Lonson does in this film, but that's like, mm. that's a tough thing to ask of an actor to play essentially two ages mm. and two types. And Tom Linson is, or was, I should say, uh, eight years older than Angela Lansbury, mm. but felt a bit older. I think, yeah. be- I think one, because as you say, it's Mr. Banks that we see on screen, but two, I just feel as though he... He was trying to do the professor. Yeah, and in a way, I I am quite glad that it was Mm. an actor within a decade of his range that was playing it, as opposed to someone that was maybe young enough to be his daughter, Mm. which would have made it a lot more problematic, uh, I I think. Um, But, yeah, Angela Lansbury's just great. I I think she's absolutely perfect for that role. Yeah, I I mean, I said to you um, that the other day when I'd remembered that we were going to be recording it that I had the age of not believing in my head mm. all day mm. because that song is that song is the heart of this it is um film and I think it's even more so watching it now for me because I'm like wow little kid I have to put little kid me back on to watch this film because if mm. I do keep that disbelief mm. then I'm not going to enjoy the rest of this film and I think it's timed really well I know there is another song that was supposed to be in the original mm. version of this which I have heard um, and you would get more Lansbury, but I also don't think it fits, unfortunately, mm. in because you would have to put it in after the armor fight, and it sort of extends the ending in a way that's not very satisfactory. Yeah, but she's just she has the right level of you know sass mixed with the right level of serious, mm. um, and just that little through. bit of naivety of like what? Mm. What do you mean? 
I'm an apprentice witch. And so uh, she meets yeah. Professor Brown in London. Yeah. He has this whole idea where he's like, what, you're actually magic? When he realises that his sham magic school has yeah. produced an actual witch. And he has this idea of going, you can be my assistant. And you can do, you do the tricks and, you... and I'll be the man at the front. Yeah, which, you know, aside from the fact where it's like, of course a man would suggest that idea, is actually like, actually, that's that's quite a fun con. If, yeah. if that's the way they could have gone, it would have been interesting. Um, Ellen. Yeah. You have experience as a, <laughs> as a real life bona fide magician's assistant. I do. I do. I worked, I worked as a magician's assistant for several years. Now, I know that obviously because of the magic code, yes. there are a number of things that you can't answer. Oh, well, I can't tell you how the tricks work. No. Well, what I want to know is, did you ever do any actual magic for a magician that couldn't do magic? <laughs> um, no. M- look, most of what my job was, was I was a glorified props woman. Mm-hmm. occasionally um because the magician i was working for had a bit of a an entertainer streak so we did a few little dance interstitials and bits and pieces in between things because mm. why not um and occasionally i would get folded up in a little box and have swords put through me which were mm. then lit on fire so that was fun yeah and that's um, why now when you drink a gallon of water it pours out yeah. of you it pours out of your yeah. sides yeah absolutely <laughs> that's why put the plugs in before you have tea it's yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, um, yeah, it's one of those things where if you want to be a magician's assistant, like when the when the casting call came through, it came through on a casting website, um, and I was like, oh yeah, I'll put down for this. And actually, they, by the time I got to the listing, they were like, oh, I've actually already got somebody, but can I put you down on my list of people to contact in case I need somebody at short notice and my regular person isn't available? Like, yeah, sure. And so I got a call um, a couple of months later, like, hey, my regular girl's not available for a show like next weekend. Do you want to come and learn how to do some magic tricks? And I was like, sure. Some of them, I still don't know how they work. Like there was, a, there was mm. one where basically you rip a newspaper up into like a bunch of pieces mm. and then fold it back out again and it's in one piece again. And I'm like, I don't know how you do that because I didn't need to know. No, it's it was not important. So yeah. I didn't get told any of that and I still don't know how that trick is done. Mm. And I just, Is it just, bad that I do and I'm not going to tell you? No, it's fine. It's fine. I yeah. could Google it if I wanted you to. Could. That's kind That's of the true. whole thing. That is the whole thing. And so what I'd like to know is um, we see Professor Brown perform a few magic tricks yeah. on the street. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, a a yeah. few of them I was like, oh, yeah, I've we, seen something similar. What I want to know is would would Professor Brown be a good magician to go and watch? I'm not interested in knowing like how he did the stuff. Just mm. was that someone that you would say, oh, I'd be happy to be an assistant for them purely on a technical basis? Oh, I had animals, which always makes it a bit tricky. Mm. That that always makes it harder. Yeah. Having, having birds specifically. It's a good point. I'm reminded of a time I had to, when helping, uh, assisting the magician's assistant, I had to, was it a parrot or something I had to smuggle out of the casino? Uh, a pigeon it would have been. It was a pigeon, yeah. It would have been a pigeon. In a cage. And that was... That or was a, a dove. There was it was a, a dove, them. yes, that's it. We did, actually, the the worst one was, okay, so there's 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 one, and it... <laughs> <laughs> is there's, there's a trick with uh-huh. a fish, with a goldfish, mm-hmm. right? So you have the goldfish, and the goldfish is, the goldfish magically appears in somebody's glass of water. Sure it does. Except the problem is, is that one time the fish was very dead. Oh no! Because <laughs> the thing is, is that you you say, "Give me your glass of water, yeah. and I'll do the magic thing." And they put the fish into the thing, and normally it's like the glass of water, and the, you've got a little goldfish, and here you go, you can take this home. And like, what am I going to do with this fish? And it's like, don't know, it's your problem now. Off you go. And yeah, this this one time the fish one was like, well, maybe this don't... one time the fish was dead, and it was like. 
whoops sorry about that that's a bit awkward so yeah but i wasn't in charge of the fish i would just like to say i did not kill that fish Mm. it was an accident yes look i can just imagine that if you can't get a nail (laughs) through a pane of glass then you know he maybe he wouldn't be one to go and watch Uh, that's true yeah Yeah, no there is that yeah yeah no there were a few tricks that it was like can you help with this and i was like yes but it involved maths and i was like no don't don't let me help with this this is going to end up very badly Mm. So all in all, Professor Brown, like, would you... It was like, okay. Okay, like maybe a, right. a C minus C? Uh, yeah, it's possible. Yeah. I mean, he's he kind of, when he gets to the, the pane of glass, it's like, yes, no, this thing that I totally haven't tampered with. I was like, uh-huh, uh-huh, mm. okay, okay. Okay. Yeah, okay. Excellent. Well, I, I just... still have a few magician suits that I need to yeah. sell. Well, that's our uh, first uh, What the Magic What the Magic, what the magic? yeah. Because uh, yes. <laughs> normally, Kate, I would ask you what the song yeah. is. What is the science of the flying bed? Yeah, (laughs) there there isn't really much I can ask you about what the science. Um, Yeah, I I suppose maybe. I mean, okay, if you had to fight a suit of armor, yes, like that's just ignoring the fact that magic is not a thing that we can measure with science. Yeah, there's a suit of armor coming at you. You are a Second World War German soldier. You've got the option of the sticky grenades that they've got. You've got the machine gun. They've got the gun with the bayonet. What weapon do you think I mean, should work best? I, I would blow it up and run. Yeah. Because it would give me enough time to run. Yeah. As opposed to, like, I don't think any of them would work. Well, the film demonstrates none of them work. But that idea yeah. of, like, the one that got that gets blown into smithereens or cut up into pieces or whatever. Yeah. And then it takes a, little, it takes a moment to stitch itself back together. Mm. I'm like, okay, that's a blow it up and like it yeah as fast as you can yeah um I, actually, yeah. actually i've had a thought okay okay no <laughs> flying a broom sure just from like an aerodynamic perspective right. let's ignore the fuel source let's yeah. ignore the fact that brooms generally aren't capable of flying yeah um would it be better to sit side saddle or or with one leg either side in terms of maneuverability I mean, I would take that back to the question of what is easier on a horse, right? From a maneuverability mm. standpoint, they are not dissimilar mm. in that it is probably easier if you Just are straddle sitting it. Yeah. Yeah, straddled to mm. it because it's easier to hold on. Yeah. Um, sitting side saddle is the classic which way, quote unquote, of doing so. But that's it, because... It looks very nice, but I feel like it would be very dangerous. You're more likely to fall off. Mm. Well, yeah, and also not comfortable because you've got to bend your leg at a weird angle to kind of face forward so mm. i would have thought from a comfort perspective alone mm. you would choose you would think so i'm also thinking from just a balance perspective because if yeah. you've got both legs over one side that's going to throw off the aerodynamics regardless yeah um which on a horse less of an issue because you've got the strength of the horse yes. m- moving you along with a broom again don't know how it works it yeah. doesn't i mean it doesn't but in this yeah. s- I mean, scenario like, as i often say on dungeons and doctorates when people ask how certain spells would work i'm like look we keep the 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 science until such a point as it's not fun anymore and then yeah. it's magic so mm. this is one of those cases i think of being like you just yeah. have to how did they breathe underwater i don't know they're in a book like yeah. what do you want from me exactly no what i will say though is we could absolutely do a what the soccer section you, because you can have a what the soccer section numerous rules were broken yeah. in that don't pick like your two favorites they just they just they just make their rules up as they go that's I what mean, they said the kid just makes it up as he goes look it, it's rather fitting that um we are watching a film which features a scene with um a sort of megalomaniac oligarch running a tournament of their own free will for their own glory 
that nobody really wants while the 2022 World Cup in Qatar is taking place. And arguably less people than they would than they would assume would be watching it are yeah. watching it. Yeah. It's yeah, it, it was just it was it was not deliberate that this came up, but no. I was just like, huh, that's fitting. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> this is happening at the same time as as the Qatar World Cup. Um and we'll we'll leave that there. What I <laughs> but um I, I will say that the king was probably offside for the winning goal. Yeah. It did appear as though yeah, he had broken the offside rule, but is is he offside if the entire rest of the team is the far side of the ball and he's the only one left behind the ball? Because everyone else is through the other side of the goals. Mm. At that mm. point, he's the last man on the pitch, and he goes to blow it across the line. So I don't know how that works. Yeah, technically he's the only one on the pitch at all. But yeah, I I actually yeah I I would say. That it feels like there is a rule against it, but I couldn't point to I mean, you to the, what it the is. The deflated ball, I think, is more of a problem. Yeah, but I mean, by the by, the point the ball is is clearly no longer spherical. It is yes. no longer match fit. So yes. the goal should definitely have been called off before he blew it across the line. I do love how many times it gets punctured, though, and then it just like, oh no, we'll puncture it now. Yeah, now it it's too lovely. Many holes, but um, but you know, I was I was pleased to see that the uh, the the Kings team did employ a gorilla in goal, which I thought mm. was. A smart choice. Less smart for the herbivore team to go with the elephant. I, I know he's big, but he hasn't got maneuverability. Like, that's that's a big problem. You can also scare him with a mouse, apparently, which uh, doesn't work. I, and, and, and also, and also yeah. the, the, the Kings team really did not utilize the cheetah well. You don't have the, the cheetah, sorry, the hyena well. The hyena's got pace. Needs to be in a wide position to then cross the ball in. To, to move the ball. To, you want that escape of play to happen. So Ellen, the film. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. As soon as we got to that bit, I was like, oh, he's going to be theorizing how best That's to right. position these animals mm. in an actual soccer game. Yeah. Uh, uh, you're, you're acting like I haven't done this before when I've tried to figure My out. My question is how many people were, pl- how many different animals were playing on each side? Because it did seem like a very light on. It looked like it was five, a six, it, six a five or six a side tournament, which you do get. You do get yeah. five a side tournaments. So I, I was like, no, that's okay. This could be a FIFA sanctioned match. This tracks. And honestly, if you gave FIFA enough money, they would sanction this match. Yeah. They'd be absolutely fine with it, despite yeah. the many issues with, I don't know, for example, having a rhino in the team. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, you're, you're acting like I haven't thought about which animal would be the best. Oh no, I'm aware that you probably yeah. thought about this, but yeah. specifically in this in this in this film, watching this film in this moment, I was like, oh, this really this film has something for all three of us, doesn't it? It's great. It really yeah. does. Yeah, <laughs> the nostalgia, there's, ridiculous scenes. Yeah. Yeah, there's even a mention dancing. There was singing. Yeah, yeah there's even a mention all of, that dance of uh, Manchester United. <laughs> it was a very long dance sequence. I'm all for a good dance sequence, but that was. Too long. I will say, having seen the 90-minute version, I mm. do prefer the longer version. I know it feels really long, but yeah. otherwise in the other film, you get these random, like... Jump cuts. Jump, where it's like, well, where are we? What? You jump back and forth between Eglantine and uh, Brown a lot more, and you get a lot less build-up of the people coming in. So mm. all of a sudden, yeah. it goes from being quite easy to move around to, like, everybody's there. So it's basically like jumping from the beginning of consider yourself to the end of it with nothing in the middle. With less in the middle. With than less you in the want. middle. Yeah. And you'd be like, oh God, how come there's like 600 people here now all walking in time? Oh Jesus, where did they all come from? Yeah. Mm. Or, yeah. or um, get me to the church on time. Oh yeah. Like same, lady, that yeah, yeah, same yeah. build up. With that same build that up, middle. but like we're going to just cut a big chunk out of the middle mm. and just do, 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 and then bam. Yeah. Oh Jesus. I mean the, the Portobello Road sequence, it was a bit long. I will, yeah. I will say that. But the actual, just the song by itself, without mm. all the extra dance music mm. and stuff, is actually mm. quite a nice little song. But I do also agree it would be extremely jarring to cut out, or to have those bits cut out and suddenly go, wow, where did all these various uh, It's a Small World After All yeah. like nationalities come from? Because uh, the way they were introduced 
was was pretty cool. Mm. Um, I also we have to give a shout out to Bruce Forsyth as well playing the gangster. Um, His moustache, yes. Yeah, well who is in it for all of like two scenes and does everything he possibly can with those two scenes. Yeah, mm. which is exactly what Bruce Forsyth was all about. Yeah, it was nice to see him. To see him, nice. Yeah, uh, yeah, and then they get back to home just in time to stop a Nazi invasion of yeah. the south coast of England. Um, and I got thrown back into all the books that I read as a kid that were set in England during World War II. Yes. The children stealing machine guns and things. Which mm. I think I've spoken about the machine gun as previous on this program and how much I love that book. Yeah, were you disappointed the children didn't steal a machine gun? In this I was one? a little disappointed yeah. they didn't steal a machine gun. That's uh, the plot of this book. Mm. It's brilliant. But, but suits of armour take down the Nazis. I mean... Like, yeah. Sorry, I mean, suits of armour... Including jousting knights and yeah, bagpiping ghosts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. bagpipe ghosts. Yeah, oh yeah. It was. It was. That's just such a fun sequence, and it's. It yeah. yeah still, it that that I can say still holds up yeah. because the effects are lovely. The but, collapse is a little less good because you can hundred percent see it's like oh suddenly all the people are just going to lie down. But hmm. you know it's the. the we're going to pan across one. to this one that has nobody in it. We can just deflate, deflate them a little one. bit more. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was very good. And then yeah, as as we've mentioned before, it finishes with well, this is the family now because we don't know if those kids are orphans or not, or at least I don't. I don't. They are not explicitly stated as hmm. orphans because they were evacuated to the country. So presumably they have parents or at least family that they can the, return to and they're like no you're our dad now i put them as akin to um the pevensey children in Na- yeah. narnia, narnia mm. yeah where you never meet the parents you don't know what happens at the end yeah who needs to know anything about the parents? they might be orphans we don't know we all we know is that for now they are safe and they have a family and that's yes. the most important thing keeping the family unit together except yes. the yes. the the dad, quote unquote, is off to war. Oh, but that's fine because in a previous scene he told the eldest kid, "Well, you're the man about the house now." Essentially, without actually saying those specific words, I was mm. like, "Oh, there to, it want, is." Do you, do you want me to walk you down to the station? No, you look. You stay here and look after everyone. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Cool. Oh God. Let's cool. Not Thanks put this on the, the children. Yeah. yeah let, let's put the swindler in charge of that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> let's put the swindling twelve-year-old. He's learned a mad. He's learned a lesson because he's gone on a ride on a magical bed. But he hasn't mm. explicitly stated that, so no. we don't know. No. He could still Just be. Implied. I don't know. He's offering to walk people to the station now. Yeah. He's grown up now, but Swind- in a way that he's still whimsical. Yeah, yeah. swindlers wouldn't do that. It, <laughs> yeah, it's just it's just a really fun film. Yeah, a lot of people turning into rabbits, specifically Mr. Brown, that singular white ra- that, that singular was... white rabbit who does a whole lot of heavy lifting. The w- Literally the wink, with the, the wink on oh. the lap. Very good. Mm. Good good rabbit acting. I mean, David that... Tomlinson's ability to to move his nose like a rabbit. Yeah, is, is it was very good. good. And then the cat. Cosmic Creepers. Which, Cosmic, Cosmic Creepers, creepers. which yeah. is a great name for a cat. Yeah. Um, and just that poor thing was just covered in Vaseline or something. Somebody's job was just to get up to this cat every day and just go... <laughs> just like yeah, that was scruffle the, its fur. That was the scabbiest looking cat I've seen. 100% if I had a black cat, I would call it Cosmic Creepers. Because yeah. that's the kind mm. of nostalgia human I am. Cosmic Creepers is a very good name. Excellent. Would you like some trivia about bedknobs and broomsticks? Sure. Yes, okay, all of this trivia is brought to you from IMDb. So if it's not true, don't blame me. We start with Angela Lansbury. Uh, she hated what she called the by-the-numbers acting in this movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Due to the heavy special effects, the entire movie had to be storyboarded in advance, shot for shot. Yeah. Um, this meant that every moment was predetermined, and Lansbury and the other actors weren't free to explore their characters naturally. Oh, 
Yeah. Well, because she's done a lot of stage stuff as well. Yeah. So she would have been used to actually having that process of being able to develop flexibility, yeah. and flexibility, and then to be told, no, you have to do this. And you can very much see that. it in like the the close ups and stuff, and where those cuts mm. are. You're like, okay. <laughs> she's a bit done. <laughs> well, not even that, but it's more like you can see that this has been storyboarded, that this mm. is the look that is given, and this is mm. the the feeling that you need. Yeah. Which you absolutely have to do with all the elements that are in this film, but I can imagine that being quite frustrating. From you can see she's having more fun at like Port- in like Portobello Road and yeah. in a lot mm. of the early stuff in the film. She's yeah. having more mm. fun with it. Uh, this was the last Disney movie released whilst Roy Disney was still alive. Yeah. He mm. passed away a week after the premiere. Sorry, the US premiere, yeah. I should say. Mm. But yes, uh, this was also the last Disney branded movie to receive an Academy Award. Until The Little Mermaid yeah. in 1989. Disney Renaissance, we love to see it. Yeah. Others received nominations, and two of their touchstone pictures, uh, The Colour of Money and Who Framed Roger Rabbit, did mm. receive awards in that time, yeah. but they weren't specifically Disney, Disney productions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yes. Uh, but yeah, that that 18-year that gap. That was... Well, they got nominated for a whole bunch. I think they only won one for this, but, you know, mm. they'll take the one. Oh yeah, but yeah. This was this was kind of like the when the dead spot for Disney sort of started. It's that seventies, eighties block, and it's not until you get to the Disney Renaissance, which starts in eighty nine with the Little Mermaid, mm. and then all through the nineties, there's just like that ten year window where it's just bam, bam, bam every year a new yeah. film, mm. and pretty much all of them are bangers. Yeah, yeah. it's good times. The good time armor around. in the climactic battle with the Nazis was authentic medieval armor oh that's brilliant where was it from uh well it was previously used in the movies camelot and el cid yeah <laughs> of course it was uh when any of the armor was to be destroyed they made exact fiberglass replicas and used cool. them for the scenes but aside from that except for when stuff's being damaged yeah it's all um authentic medieval armor that's sick yeah and it seems correct they're getting it from a museum you'd want it to look right correct. yeah um, because there'll be some people who will watch it who would have been alive, mm. well, but who would have been alive to see the museums of the time. And mm. Yeah, absolutely. I thought you were going to say yeah, some people dad. alive from like the 1600s who are like, "That's my old breastplate." Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Magic. Can they get Yankee in King Arthur's Court? Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. This movie was developed at the same time as Mary Poppins, yeah, yeah. which was released seven years previously. Yeah. Disney started with Bedknobs and Broomsticks, decided it was too complicated technically, and switched to making Mary Poppins. <laughs> they then switched so back and forth a few times. Yeah. Um, they intended to drop this movie permanently at one point, but the Sherman brothers were insistent because they'd written all this music for it. And so after Four Mary... songs. Oi. Five. Five? There's like nine. You just don't pick up on some of them mm. being some. So like substitutionary locomotion is one. Of course, but, yeah. but so it, and then you've got Portobello Road. You've got beautiful briny sea. But some of them don't feel like. Yeah, that, they feel yeah, more okay. incidental. Yeah. Um, yeah. Than you'd realize. Sort of sneak up on you a bit. Yeah. But yeah, the Shermans pushed for like, no, 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 no you can't, you can't drop this. this to be fair, they'd been fighting with P.L. Travis for a couple of years. So they were probably like, no, 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 no. If we can get her to let us do this thing, <laughs> then you got to let us do this other thing. Yeah. Also, they had people like Lansbury and stuff lined up. Yeah, for sure. So, and I've, yeah. yeah. Mm. Uh, the final bit of trivia is to do with the war records of mm. all of our uh, adult actors. Because, of course... The Home Guard is in it. Particularly the Home Guard. But yeah. most of these actors had some form of involvement with the Second World War. Because everyone alive at the time was involved in the Second World War. It's a world war. So Angela Lansbury, Roddy McDowell and Robert Stevenson all emigrated to the US from the UK because of World War II. Mm. Um, they, they all became U- US citizens, basically, to, to avoid having to go back because obviously 
why would you want to be in England during World War Two? Speaking of someone that's emigrated from the UK in non-war years, um, yeah, I fully, I fully. You're understand. like, yeah, I wouldn't want to be there at any time. <laughs> Thanks very much. Actually, would have been what, like, ten, twelve? Um, she oh. would have been. Uh, no, she would have been fourteen. Yeah, I was like, she was born in twenty five. Okay, yeah. So, so she's ten to like ten to. I was yeah. ballparking without doing the actual maths. But yeah. yeah, okay. Um, but yes, uh, David Tomlinson was a flight lieutenant yeah. in the Royal Air Force. So mm. he actually... why he knows how to sling all his bags properly in that last scene. You yeah. just watch him load up. You're like, ah. uh, Robert B. Sherman served in the yeah. U.S. Army and was one of the first Allied soldiers to see the Dachau concentration yeah. camp. Oof. Mm. Yeah, no wonder he went on was like, we're going to write happy musicals. Yep. We're going to uh, write happy musicals. Uh, Sherman also used his time recuperating from a gunshot wound uh, to the knee to learn about the English people and their culture. Sorry. Yes. And also, the actors uh, Manfred Latting and Fred Helmick were native born Germans who lived under Nazi occupation. God damn. Yeah. And then came in and played Nazis for this. Oh. But you can see How why the mean? Nazis feel very camp. Yeah. based on yeah. that as well. I don't think they're, they're like, going They don't like... want to play Nazis. They want to play quote-unquote Nazis. Yeah. <laughs> so, Nazis. Yeah. Nazis. Nazis. Yeah, yeah no, they're, they're coming in and they're kind of taking the piss out of them. Yeah. If I, if I can say that in a review of a children's film. Uh, they're, it's sorry. a family film. They're it taking, is a family film. They're taking the Mickey Mouse out of uh, yeah, the <laughs> their Mouse Nazi movie. occupiers. Um, but yes. It's making them look very, very foolish. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Which I'm okay with. I mean, they, they make them look very effective for a very short period of time and then yes. very, very foolish thereafter. I mean, to be fair, if I was like trying to invade somewhere and they came after me with like ghost knights, I would be a bit like. And a literal witch. I don't know how to deal with this. Flying a little union flag oh on the back God, of the room. I still love it. It's still one of my favourite like images from this film is her with the stupid union jack flag on the back of the room. It did feel very Doctor Who at times. I was like, I could, I could see this. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. If she was still alive, Angela Lansbury for the next Doctor Who. Oh, yeah, she would have been great. I was just imagining John Pertwee turning up just for five (laughs) seconds as as the then current Doctor, just opening the TARDIS door and going, oh, no, they've got this. She's good? Cool. (laughs) Excellent. Goodbye. Um, so all that remains is for us to score the film. Oh god! You don't have to do it first. No, this you time. don't. No, you don't. <laughs> yes, because we always let the person who hasn't seen the film first oh. give the score, and that's Doctor Ellen Sears. Yeah. So, what score would you give this film out of ten? Um, oh. I'm gonna give it six and a half awkwardly dancing fish. No, just the fact that they can't look each other in the face because they're basically like throat to throat Mm. because of the they fish don't bend. Yeah, they don't bend. I was just watching them like this would be so. It's like it's just the most like the least romantic way of doing ballroom dancing. I think you guys missed the one moment where there's one fish that's like perfectly flat. Yeah, so it turns and it basically vanishes and then keeps turning. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. Oh, what about yourself then, Kate? Um. Yeah, I think because I have to take the sort of nostalgia hat off a little bit. With oh, this. I I haven't for some of the ones that I know, but like <laughs> I think I think the problem is that I have a lot of fun with this film because it's nostalgia because of nostalgia. Yeah. Hmm. But I think I'm just looking at it. Yeah, I I probably agree. I think six and a half um, strangulations by 
uh, by locomoted gloves <laughs> out of uh, out of ten works for me. I think that feels about right in terms mm. of it's it feels dated, but it feels like it holds up, mm. and it's a fun romp if yeah. people want to watch it. I think this is an incredibly charming film, mm. Um, mm. and I think that even though there are aspects of it which are a little bit dated, I also think the like the songs weren't songs that I was like, ah, oh, yes, these these speak to me. Um, but that might be something that repeat viewings may help with. I'm not sure, but I would absolutely watch this again. Yeah. I, I I just think it's really delightful. It's very whimsical, but without being too twee. Yeah, it's not it's not super twee at any yeah. point. It's fun. It's a little bit. It's twee. literally it's it's like fun. It's yeah. just fun. Yeah, and Absolutely. yeah, and so for that, I'm going to give it seven and a half um, deflating bagpipe soldiers <laughs> out of ten, just as they so good. Fall and you just hear. Uh, How can you tell the difference from when they're playing them regularly? That's. Yeah. <laughs> That's uh, but that brings us to the end of this review of Bed Knobs and Broomsticks. So, Ellen and Kate, thank you so much for joining me on this episode. Thanks for letting me watch one of my like childhood films and actually having seen a film for once. <laughs> and for those of you listening at home, thank you for listening in. There aren't many episodes left this year because uh, we are rapidly heading towards the end of 2022. We do still have a few episodes coming up, including our Christmas films. Mm. Uh, so if you want to hear those films as they Christmas. come out, Christmas films indeed They will be available uh, Over on the internet That thing you're using right now to hear us (laughs) Uh, But if you want to hear the episodes uh, Subscribe We've got SoundCloud We've got Spotify Uh, I'm pretty sure iTunes is still a thing Like all of these things We can be found there Lots of other podcatchers Just search for the Cinema Catch-Up Club And if you're the podcatcher service that That you use But you can't find us let us know. Uh, drop us a message and we'll try and make sure that we have our episodes available because there is a new one each and every week. How do I get in touch? Well, we do have a Facebook page. Uh, you can search for us there. Just uh, type in the Cinema Catch-Up Club into Facebook's search bar. Give us a like, a follow, however you want to use it, and leave us messages. Uh, let us know which your favourite song is from this film. You know, Let us know uh, you know which animal you think would be the best for a, a f- football <laughs> World Cup of animals. And, um, yeah, you know, if you think it's going to be the the squid, uh, I'll tell you why you're wrong. Uh, But, yes, uh, we can be found there. And, finally, we do have a Patreon, which is uh, a slightly more expensive way of getting in touch. Uh, But if you become a Patreon for as little as a dollar a month, you can get all sorts of bonus goodies and features uh, for your listening pleasure. But that is all for this week. So, until next time, goodbye. Bye. You have been listening to a Thought Jar Productions podcast. For more information, please visit thoughtjarproductions.com.